Welcome to the Better You Project, where we will be discussing health, hormones, and aesthetics while using a blend of functional and anti-aging medicine. To make sure you're up to date on this and what's going on in the practice, be sure to follow us on Instagram at udirecthealth underscore aesthetics, as well as our website, www.udirecthealth.com. The following discussion is the opinion of nurse practitioner Lexi Yu. It is not intended to diagnose or treat any conditions. Please speak to your healthcare provider for your personal concerns about your health. Now let's jump right into the show. Uh, Season two, episode one of the Better You Project, Optimizing Health Hormones and Aesthetics. And so Haley and I are going to go over um, some of the most commonly symptoms that we see with hypothyroidism, some of the labs that we often order. We have it also set up on Instagram Live. So if there are questions that come through, we can answer them as well. Then at the very end of the podcast, uh, we're going to announce who won the Instagram. guess how many pellets we did in the month of February, uh, winner. So there we go. All right. So Haley and I are going to start talking about some of the symptoms that we commonly see with hypothyroidism. I feel like we beat this, this subject to death, but it's amazing because we often see, uh, so many questions about it. So Haley and I, uh, let's start talking about maybe some of the symptoms that we typically see in just a very classic case of hypothyroidism. Um, I'd say classic. Um, patients are coming in, they're very tired. Um, they're complaining of brain fog, constipation, dry skin. Um, they're complaining about, you know, just being tired throughout the day, not having energy, um, not being able to lose weight. Yeah, I would say the, the biggest thing that we see when we see chief complaint is I need help with weight loss. And so, that is probably one of the most common symptoms that we see with hypothyroidism is they're either trying to lose weight or they are at a weight plateau or they just keep gaining. Yeah. Um, all right. Typically with men though, Haley, do you notice any symptoms that might be a little bit different? Um, men, I'd say they feel tired. They might feel more depressed and down. Yes. Yes, Definitely. Um, not, they don't really, you know, complain, um, about as many symptoms as females I've found, but they also notice they just don't have endurance or they just don't have the energy to, you know, work out and do the things they were used to doing before. For sure. For sure. Yep. I would definitely say those are all pretty common symptoms of hypothyroidism. Um, as far as typical cases that we see with patients and how they present, Um, in females, that's just a majority of what we see, but I would definitely say that a very classic case is patients who are already on a prescription. So, uh, Haley, what, what medicine do you find that they frequently come in on? Um, very commonly levothyroxine or Synthroid, which is just, you know, the T4 and they just feel like I don't feel any different. I haven't noticed any change. I've been on the same dose for years. And they keep checking my thyroid and everything looks fine. Absolutely. So, uh, and often, unfortunately, it's generic Synthroid or generic levothyroxine. And so 
what we find with this being a problem is, is that it's very inconsistent. And so the generic means that there is a larger variance and that you're not going to get the consistent dose that you would every single time that you're getting that prescription. So when Haley and I start seeing them, and let's say we want them on T4 therapy, often we'll write DAW, which is dispenses written or non-generic. Um, the problem with that is that we often have issues with insurance companies not wanting to cover. So we have to have some sort of documentation as to why, why do they need brand name or, or non-generic. So some of the stuff that, that we'll typically see is either their labs aren't changing, they don't feel better, their hair is falling out, um, or they just, they're just not getting to a therapeutic range on generic. Um, so that would be a very common case. Uh, another case that we see, and this is probably a majority of our patients, is that they're in this perimenopause hormone period, which perimenopause starts at the age of 35, and it kind of just sp spirals out of control. So Haley, what does some of those symptoms look like? Um, perimenopause, a lot of times they're estrogen dominant, so they're feeling more anxious than they were before, having problems with sleep, night sweats, um, you know, they can't lose weight, they keep gaining. Um, they feel like they're constantly PMSing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So estrogen dominance can be a couple different things. So we see estrogen dominance in that their estrogen can be completely normal, but they lack progesterone, which will often present in uh, the luteal phase of their cycle. So the second half of their cycle, they may like a week before your period or right after they ovulate, they may present um, super anxious, very irritable, almost irrational in how they respond to either their, uh, their spouse or their children. Um, mm -hmm they struggle with insomnia. They just really either can't fall asleep or have trouble staying asleep. Um, often their primary might put them on either a sleep aid or even an antidepressant can be commonly seen with those patients. And so they come in, they're exhausted, they're on antidepressants, they may be on some ADD medicine along with that. Um, they might be on some weight loss drugs in addition to all of that, and they just really need help. So that would probably be the second most common case that we see is, is that their hormones are just all over the place. And often two PCOS patients can fall in this category. And then the last one that I feel like we see a fair amount of are newly postpartum patients. So they have either been um, diagnosed during pregnancy with a thyroid condition or after they've had their baby, all their hormones are kind of going berserk. And we often see them present with almost a, uh, it's like a postpartum thyroiditis. And so a recent case I've seen, uh, a patient came to me and she was maybe three months postpartum and she came from an endo office and her TSH was like 11, which is extremely high. And the endo had her on uh, Synthroid and she, uh, she almost had hyperthyroidic symptoms on the Synthroid, which was very, very weird. Um, but she was a, a really interesting case in that uh, she was breastfeeding. So we had to be very mindful of some of the things that we could put her on just because not a lot of studies are done on, on pregnant people or breastfeeding people because no one, no one willingly will volunteer for an experimental treatment when you're breastfeeding just for the risk of the baby. But uh, she was a case where we switched her from uh, from Synthroid to Tyrosint, which is a more pure version. It's lacking the gluten that we see in there. And I ended up diagnosing her with um, Hashimoto's disease. And uh, she's, she's now like eight months postpartum doing extremely well. Um, she's down to all of her uh, pre-pregnancy pre weight and um, just feels a whole lot better. So I'd say that's a very classic symptom that we see um, either diagnosed during pregnancy or postpartum. Um, 
And if you're watching this on Instagram live and you have questions, you can um, comment below and we'll start seeing the questions and answer them as we continue to go. Um, so I would say those are probably the mo three most common cases. Uh, Haley, so as far as the blood work, I feel like we do so much blood work com compared to most either primary care offices or even endocrinology offices. And I would say when you started with me probably about eight months ago, I think that was probably the, the biggest learning curve for you is, is really kind of knowing what labs do I need to draw and how do mm -hmm. I interpret these labs? Yeah. Um, so in a typical thyroid panel, Haley, do you want to go over some of the, probably the big things that we start looking at? Yeah, so when we run a, a thyroid panel, we you know run the normal TSH, but we also run a free T3, a free T4, and uh, TPO antibodies, and a lot of the times a reverse T3 as well. Okay, so why why do we run so much more beyond the TSH? Um, we look at the full thyroid panel because the TSH is actually only a hormone in the brain, the pituitary, and so that's just part of the picture. So when we run the full panel, we, we're able to see what happens at the cellular level um, and what's going on at the, in the thyroid because the TSH tells the thyroid, you know, to make more thyroid hormone or to back down on the thyroid hormone. It doesn't tell us how much of the actual active thyroid hormone there is and available to the cell. So that's a free T3. So knowing all, all the pieces are, you know, will tell us the most um, about that thyroid, that patient and their thyroid and let us specifically um, treat them based on those symptoms because everyone's different and the TSH doesn't tell us very much most of the time. Exactly. We end up finding a lot of issues. Uh, we end up finding a lot of hypothyroidism or, you know, Hashimoto's that weren't caught before because these doctors aren't, providers are not checking the whole panel. Exactly. And, and unfortunately, you know, there's so many different things that affect the T4. So let's talk about that. So T4 is the inactive thyroid hormone, right? So this mm -hmm. is basically who supplies T3 with stuff to make thyroid, thyroid hormone. The unfortunate thing is, is that when traditional medicine is looking at uh, replacing the T4, they'll put patients on either, again, levothyroxine or Synthroid. And their assumption is, is that here, I'm going to give you some inactive thyroid hormone. We're going to rely on your body to take that T4 and we're going to convert it into T3. Unfortunately, most of our patients struggle with that conversion. So Haley, talk about some of the, the biggest things that we see with issues in conversion of T4 to T3. A lot of times patients are having issues with that conversion from the T4, which is the inactive thyroid hormone, to the free T3, which is the active thyroid hormone that gets into the cell because they may have gut issues, so they're not able to convert very well. They may have a lot of stress in their life or um, inflammation. They may be missing um, some selenium, iodine, zinc, something like that. So we're able to pinpoint the root cause and figure out why are, do we have enough T4? We're giving the patient T4 already, but they're not converting to the active thyroid hormone. So they're not feeling any better. So we kind of, you know, based on the patient's symptoms and history and the lab findings, we're able to figure out why that is happening to help the patient feel better, um, be able to lose weight and to, you know, feel, have more energy. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So when we have, when we have patients and we're looking at lab values, often we will see a reference range. And I, I 
tell the patients, you know, when you come in after that first consult, we're going to sit down together and either you and uh, Haley or you and myself will talk about here is the reference range, but here is what the optimal range is. The reference range is a uh, is set by the lab. And basically what that is, is it's a standard deviation of looking at a general population of, of elderly people, sick people, healthy people. And so if you think about what a standard deviation is, you know, you're going to have patients in the upper 5%, you know, the, the middle of the road and kind of the bottom 5%. Um, our goal is to get our patients in the upper 10%. That's what consi is considered to be a good, optimal, I feel great kind of range. Um, and so another big thing that, you know, we talk about with our patients is, okay, when you're symptomatic and your thyroid levels are not optimized. So again, thinking about optimized is that upper 10% quartile. What do we do? Do we automatically put you on a prescription? Do we say, Hey, let's start with some nutraceuticals, which are different blends of vitamins. You know, do we want to do a gut test? Um, Haley, wh where, were, where would you say that you start the most frequently? Um, well, after looking at the labs, that's where I start. And um, if I see, you know, there's issues with the conversion, I'll ask questions about their, um, their gut health. And based on, you know, what's going on with them as far as their medical history, I might need to look there first. If they're going through a lot of stress right now and I see that reverse T3 is high, then I may do a, a cortisol test to see where I should start. Um, but if you're asking specifically what specific medications I would start them on, or if I would, um, that's based on, you know, the, a lot of different things like their T3 and their T4, do they need a combo? Have they, what have they tried in the past? Um, do they have, you know, food sensitivities where, you know, maybe those generics might not work as well for them, especially if they have a lot of gut issues, they might not absorb them very well, or they might have a, you know, just an intolerance to them. And it might just be something simple like that, or we may need to do a whole gut test. So yep. I think I just specifically focus on that individual yeah. to figure out, you know, based on that, what I need to do next. Absolutely. So, um, so definitely we want to customize the plan to whatever is going on with the patient and one, what, what the patient is comfortable, comfortable with. So oftentimes we'll see patients who, you know, they're saying, oh my God, Haley, I feel awful. I'll do whatever, I'll do whatever you say. Let's go ahead and start a prescription. Some of our patients are like, eh, you know, you yeah. know, there's a lot of myths with uh, uh, thyroid prescriptions. So one of the biggest myths that we see is once I start a thyroid prescription, do I have to be on that forever? And that is probably one of the biggest myths that I see with thyroid prescriptions. And I see it all the time because I get patients off of their prescription or I wean them down on their prescription. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I think just us again, kind of customizing it to the patient is key. And I think our patients really appreciate that. We go over, you know, what is the difference between taking T4 therapy alone versus maybe we want to, maybe they come on Synthroid or Levothyroxine and their T4 is fine, but they struggle with T3. So um, maybe we work on their conversion and maybe we add in a little compound T3 while we're working on that conversion. So Ultimately, our goal is to get them to, to their best self, but, but there's so many different options that we can offer besides just, hey, let's put you on levothyroxine or let's just put you on cytomel and levothyroxine or armor or nature throid or compound um, sustained release is another really good option. And then some of the nutraceuticals that we often use, and this is where Haley was talking about looking at the gut test, so seeing, do you struggle with certain things as far as absorption, insufficiency, imbalance, infection, inflammation? Uh, 
Haley, what are some of the vitamin things that you like to look at? Um, well, we always check a vitamin B12 and a vitamin D as well. Those are very important to make T4, T4 hormone in itself. So, you know, if we're low in those, we may not be making enough T4 and just, you know, adding that back in and giving that patient some vitamin D and B can help, but also looking um, sometimes at, you know, selenium and we do carry um, thyroid which is a supplement that does have some selenium, iodine, zinc, and things in it that can help with that conversion. Um, so yeah, we, we do look at those too. And I think yeah. that's very helpful too, because sometimes, like she said, patients don't want to start with a prescription. And so we'll focus on just trying to find the root cause and changing lifestyle, getting better sleep, uh, maybe working on the stress um, and adding back some supplements. That yep. they may need. Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things that we often see, I mean, we see so many patients of different calibers. We see patients who are like the ultra fit. We see Orange Theory, Ironman, CrossFitters. I mean, we're right next door to a freaking CrossFit gym. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the biggest things I like to see in um, some of my supplements, and thyroidine actually has a little bit in there, is an adaptogen. So mm -hmm. when we're looking at labs, right, we look at the free T3 and then reverse T3. So free T3, this is like the gas of the metabolism. This is mm -hmm. like the drive. And then the reverse T3 is kind of like the break. So when we're trying to look at cortisol, for example, cortisol can often cause that reverse T3 to go up, an adaptogen is actually a nice, easy way to try to get that to come down to free up some mm -hmm. of that T3. So yeah. um, there's so many different things that kind of go into thyroid management. And uh, it's so interesting when Haley joined me, like I said, about eight months ago, I think, <laughs> I think it was super mm -hmm. eye-opening. Her first day, I think I sat with her for like three hours and just went over all the different thyroid kind of minutia of it. And I, I know it was overwhelming for her. And it, she's gotten so much better. I mean, there's so many different things that we can do and there's really not one right way. Uh, I know Haley knows what she's doing. A lot of times she likes to ask me, well, what do you think? And I'm like, I don't know. Well, what do you think? And so, <laughs> you know, the way that she may do things is a little different than I might do things, or I might ask her like, Hey, what do you think about this? So um, I think it's really cool. And that's why they, they call it precision medicine or, or individualized medicines. Cause we're really trying to customize it for whatever, for whatever the patient feels comfortable with or whatever they can afford or, you know, whatever their preferences are. Um, Another big thing that we often look at is Haley's favorite thyroid lab value called TPO antibodies. Oh yeah. Uh, Haley can get down with some Hash Hashimoto's. Okay. <laughs> Haley, talk about what are TPO antibodies? Uh, TPO antibodies are antibodies your body um, produces that uh, interfere with the thyroid function. So it is something that is caused by different things. So it can be a genetic, you might have a genetic predisposition you might have had some severe stressor in your life that may have caused these TPO antibodies to increase, um, or it may be, you know, toxins or, you know, it can be environmental as well. And so it, it, it kind of attacks your thyroid and prevents it from working. And it's an autoimmune disease called, uh, called Hashimoto's TPO antibodies when those are elevated. So we do check for those. And sometimes that gets missed. And not everyone that has Hashimoto's has a low-functioning thyroid. So sometimes we catch it early enough where we can, you know, bring back, you know, give some interventions to that patient and prevent the thyroid from um, starting to, you know, decrease in function and causing, you know, even more symptoms. Absolutely. So when we talk about autoimmunity, uh, we do a fair amount of autoimmune um, stuff, mainly because 
we don't look at autoimmunity by system. So if you've got, let's say, for example, rheumatoid arthritis, we're not just focusing on your joints. Or if we have, let's say, celiac disease, we're not just focusing on your gut health. I mean, it's a huge part of it, but we're looking at so many different things. So yeah. patients who have one autoimmune condition, I think the statistic is they're about 40% more likely to have another one. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's three main things, we call this the triad that happens when people have autoimmune conditions. One of, a, one of them is they have a genetic predisposition. So someone in their family has some sort of uh, autoimmune condition, whether it be type one diabetes, celiac, Sjogren's, RA, lupus, um, I mean, there's, there's so many that can, that can be it. The second thing is, is that there's usually a trigger or, or an event or an illness. So this could be like Lyme disease, Epstein-Barr virus. It could be a pregnancy. It could be, um, you know, a divorce, uh, a surgery. Uh, it, could, it could literally be anything, you know, the wind blew a weird way. That's why I would say, so we have a staff member in our practice who has Hashimoto's disease and she is the most, like anything, the whole feng shui of the office could be off and like her Hashimoto's flares up. So I always say, oh, the wind blew a weird way and, and Stacy's Hashimoto's is acting up, uh, which is unfortunate, but, but yeah, Hashi patients are very sensitive. And then the third thing is there's usually some sort of gut permeability. I try not to use the word leak, leaky gut because, um, you know, I feel like already in functional medicine, we're kind of already ridiculed because, uh, you know, we use certain terms like adrenal fatigue or leaky gut, but gut permeability. So that is when you struggle with, you know, the four pillars of the gut, which are infection, inflammation, insufficiency, and imbalance. So what I mean by that is, and this is Haley loves her, some GI map testing, but I love it. You know, if we have a patient, let's say, for example, maybe as a kid, they had a lot of strep throat infections, or let's say they had chronic ear infections. Um, a lot of times, all those antibiotics that they took can really mess up the microbiome. Mm-hmm. So they may have a little dysbiosis or another common, commonly thing that we see is like H. pylori. So H. pylori, I think it's like 60% of the population has it, but the problem with it is that it can suppress uh, stomach acid, which can cause something called hypochlorhydria, which Mm -hmm. can lead to, I mean, that's a whole podcast in itself, but it can lead to a whole slew of information. So, So when we're looking at Hashimoto's, more times than not, we're going to recommend to the patient, hey, if we really want to maybe try to get you in remission or get you off of thyroid prescriptions or just kind of help reset everything, often we're going to recommend something called the GI map uh, test. And that's, that's a, a stool test that we do. The cost of that test, what we charge for is 340. It's by a company called Diagnostic Solutions. And I'm sure Haley and I will do a whole podcast on that in itself. Mm-hmm. But we find so much invaluable information with this test. Yeah. Um, and we see so many patients get better from it. It's hard. Like I'll be the first to tell you, doing the protocol is extremely, extremely hard. But when we're truly trying to find root cause issues, uh, especially with autoimmune conditions, we have to look at the gut. The cool yeah. thing is, is when we fix the gut, everything else kind of gets better. I mean, yeah. am I right, Haley? Yes. It's, it's so cool to see patients just feel better and look better and just everything gets yeah. better. With Inflammation goes down. In the gut. Yeah, exactly. Acne gets better. Hormones get balanced. Their yeah. mood gets better. Just so many different things with it. So um, Haley, when we're trying to get those TPO antibodies down, what are the top things that we like to do to try to work on that? Well, like Carmen always says, um, we always take away patient's gluten. (laughs) A patient walks out and Carmen say, hey, did they take away your gluten? Did you look sad? But yes, we always recommend uh, to cut gluten 100%. Why Why do we cut gluten out, Haley? What's the mechanism behind that? 
Um, because gluten, the molecular makeup of it looks similar to the TPO antibodies. Um, so it makes the inflammation worse and the autoimmune condition worse. So anyone that has an autoimmune disease needs to cut gluten 100% because it's going to make you feel better. It's going to help with that autoimmunity and that inflammation. And we also recommend uh, to cut dairy, but you know it's hard to do both at the same time. So we recommend the gluten first. And then we also recommend usually the thyrotain because that can sometimes help decrease TPO antibodies in some patients. Right. So the thyroidine has selenium and iodine. And I would say those are probably the other two biggest things besides taking gluten out of your diet that can really help, help drop that number. And we see it all the time. We put patients in, in remission all the time. Um, you know, I've seen, uh, I have a male patient that came to me from an endocrinology office and his TPO antibodies were like in the 1600s. And he's been working with me for the past three years. And, and recently I checked him and he was like in the 400s. So still high, but, but you know, not, not as high as he was, which, which is amazing. And we see it again all the time. One of, our, one of my favorite tools in our, in our little Hashimoto's toolbox is something called LDN. So yeah. Haley, do you want to talk about what LDN is? LDN is low dose naltrexone, and that really helps bring down inflammation. It really helps with sleep, um, can help patients with joint. Anywhere there's inflammation, it's going to help calm down that inflammatory process. And it can also actually help with weight loss um, by uh, helping reduce cravings. And a low dose naltrexone is uh, Narcan, but in a small dose. And a, we use a compound pharmacy that makes that medication that's in a capsulated form and patients take it at bedtime. And so that actually can help bring down the TPO antibodies as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And usually when we start patients on LDN, um, and I'll kind of just go over the most common side effects that could potentially happen with LDN. And we usually see it maybe the first week is patients will either have a little bit of almost insomnia. Some patients don't have any, um, but kind of my, my, if I'm putting my, one of my Hashi patients on it, uh, I find that they're very sensitive to like different things. They're super sensitive to supplements and they're super sensitive to LDN. So they may have a little bit of uh, insomnia that first week. It typically goes away. Um, another thing that sometimes happens is they might have some vivid dreams. And so mm -hmm. like, you just might have these like off the wall uh, things. Um, I would say those are probably the most common that we see. A lot of times the feedback that we get is patients say that they're actually sleeping a lot better or mm -hmm. that they sleep yeah. more soundly. Or, um, again, I like to use this uh, for weight loss. And uh, the compound pharmacist, Linda, that we, we, we work a lot with, she often says, like, Lexi would infiltrate it in the water if she could. I, I would. Yes. Because we, we see it improve so many different things. Again, inflammation, uh, joint pain, um, just all kinds of different things. But yeah. uh, I like to use it because I don't see very many side effects with it. Um, it's fairly inexpensive. We use a titration updose. And so what that means is that the first week, you're going to take a, a capsule that's about 1.5 milligrams and you take that daily for about five days. Um, and then the next five days, you increase it to three milligrams, which would be two capsules. And then after that, your uh, standard dose is about 4.5 milligrams. Mm -hmm. um, Cost-wise, uh, the first month you might pay about $69, and then when you go to refill it, and we usually refill it in 90-day um, supply increments, it's about $39 a month, which is, which is not bad. Um, the only real contraindication to taking this drug 
uh, well, there's actually a couple. Um, if you have a history of like liver disease or hepatitis, you probably should not be taking it just because it's metabolized through the liver. Um, and the other one is if you're on chronic uh, opiate use, um, like uh, narcotics or morphine or anything like that, just because it, it is an, uh, an opiate antagonist. And so it's going to block those opioid receptors. So it will make that medicine ineffective. Um, if I have anyone getting surgery or like any kind of dental procedure where you might need to take some sort of pain medicine, um, like uh, something like that, I might have them stop it for about two weeks prior to that uh, surgery or try, prior to that procedure, just because I want to make sure that if you have to take some sort of pain medicine that is actually effective uh, for the patient. Um, so I would say LDN is probably one of my favorite things. I put tons of patients yeah. on it all the I time. I kind of want to start it myself and I don't even have Hashimoto's. I take it. Oh, I, I, I take it. I think it. I want to start taking it. It just it's, sounds it's, amazing. It's good stuff. It's really, really good stuff. Um, but, but yeah, so it's, it's a neat, it's a neat little tool in our toolbox. Another thing I find very ironic is we talked about gluten, you know, being uh, a trigger of TPO antibodies through the mechanism of molecular mimicry. Um, mm -hmm. however, generic Synthroid has gluten in it. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like a, you know, it's paradoxic, um, in yeah. that regard. And so I just don't understand that. So often, um, if I have a patient who has, uh, Hashimoto's disease, and they are on levothyroxine or Synthroid, I may try to switch them over to Tyrosint. So mm -hmm. Tyrosint is gluten-free, um, a lot less preservatives. It's more, it's the more pure version of T4, or I might try to just get it compounded through, uh, through pure pharmacy or, or um, empower pharmacy, just because again, I can try to control those variables a little bit uh, more specifically with that. Um, so that's kind of how that works. Um, and then in, in relationship to weight loss, uh, Haley, what would you say are some of the biggest things that we see when we have an underfunctioning thyroid and weight issues? Um, so when your thyroid is not optimal, then everything's going to be sluggish. And so that means that your metabolism is going to be very sluggish and it's very difficult to lose weight. So once we start patients on the right form of thyroid medication and we bring that metabolism up, then they're able to see more progress. And so I definitely think that it does slow down your metabolism and you feel sluggish if it's not optimal. So um, I think that was the answer to your question, right? You're just yeah, asking, Yeah. Yeah. I think the Slows your metabolism makes everything sluggish, right. feel sluggish. You don't have the energy to work out. So fixing your thyroid and giving you that free, making sure that free T3 is getting into your cells and is optimal will help you take those steps to, you know, lose the weight you want to lose. Haley, how often do you find that once we either put patients on prescriptive T3 or we start improving that conversion, how quick do you typically see the weight start to improve? Um, pretty quickly because, you know, they have more energy and they're getting into the gym. And usually at that time, we're optimizing their hormones as well. So, you know, combining optimization of hormones with the thyroid really, really speeds up their weight loss even quicker. Um, so it does happen very quickly if we can do that, you know, optimize the T3 and optimize hormones. And then sometimes we'll even add some peptides in there and that will help even more. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so when she, when Haley keeps referring to optimizing hormones, what we mean by that is, is taking whatever, uh, either estrogen progesterone ratios and making them to where they need to be. Again, thinking about when we talk about that, that lab reference range, 
putting it in that upper 10% quartile. Um, so often one of the first hormones that we see to go in females, well, there's two, it's typically going to be testosterone and progesterone. Um, and they often go hand in hand. And so the annoying thing about testosterone in females is that there is no real set reference range. Um, if you look at, we get labs through a company called uh, Path Labs, their reference range is somewhere between zero and seven. And so according to these people, zero is normal in females, which that is awful. No, oh, no. woman should walk around as zero. Um, often we see they can't remember stuff. You know, they're, they're 35, 40, and they're like, Lexi, I'm pretty sure I have dementia or I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. I'm getting Alzheimer's because they can't remember stuff. Yeah. Um, I have mom so, brain, but my kids are- I have 20. mom brain. <laughs> yeah. I have mom brain. Yes. Um, and so often when we get that testosterone levels up to a good respectable, oh, oh, there we go. Good respectable therapeutic range. It actually improves the thyroid function. Um, and there's actually studies to show that optimizing testosterone does improve thyroid function as a whole. And then the other thing is, is that progesterone um, helps production of, of thyroid and it also mm -hmm. helps with um, the conversion of it. So when we say, when Kaylee keeps referring to optimizing thyroid hormones, that's what we mean is taking you from like the rut of hormone that you're in and pushing you up to a good respectable range. Sometimes that includes bioidentical. Sometimes that includes herbs. Sometimes that includes just different things that we have to offer um, for our patients. Um, but what we do find is, you know, how, and that's the question we get all the time. Am I right, Haley? How, how quick am I going to get skinny? Or how quick am I going to feel better? Yeah. Uh, I wish I could like say, you know, four weeks, you're going to be so skinny. That's not how it works. Um, yeah, everyone's everyone's a little, everyone's yeah. a little different, but I would say as far as how soon will you feel better? Um, typically right around four to six weeks. If, if we're, if we're on track and, and we've got the right dose and all those things, typically yeah. right around four to six weeks, patients are going to feel tons better tons, tons better. Um, and then it just kind of builds, you know, so if let's say if they're a very classic, one of our patients, they might be getting pellet therapy every three to four months. And what I mean by pellet therapy is somewhere, it's something, it's usually testosterone. Um, they might be on progesterone, which would be, uh, Haley, do you want to talk about the different variations of progesterone that we do just because there are a couple and they do, it does relate to the thyroid. Like the different forms that we prescribe? Um, so like, so let's say, for example, if you had a patient with PCOS and they are typically low in progesterone, if they have irregular periods, how do you typically prescribe that progesterone? Um, typically uh, nights 15 to 28 of their cycle. Mm -hmm. So that will help them be, you know, less estrogen dominant and help you know, support the thyroid and can help with their periods, help them sleep helps with anxiety because progesterone is a relaxing hormone. So right. acts on the yeah. GABA receptors mm -hmm. of the brain. Uh, what if they have an IUD and they don't know when their periods are? What do you do then? Um, we have them um, just start it on 14 nights on, 14 nights off. So they can yeah. kind of mimic a cycle. Yeah. We just say yeah. pick, just, yeah. just pick 14 nights on. Go and some there. people are just like, man, I sleep better with that progesterone. I yeah. sleep every night. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. So yeah, we yeah. can definitely kind of manipulate the progesterone mm -hmm. depending on what the patient's symptoms are. Right. Um, so, so that's kind of how those hormones and being optimized can definitely affect thyroid and, and weight loss. So um, I think that's pretty much it that we've got for this uh, session. 
Our goal is to try to get some more content out in our podcast, especially now that it's not just me. It's much, much easier to do it with a co-host like <laughs> Haley, especially because, uh, you know, it's just another perspective and, and, you know, we see a lot of different cases. Um, and I'm very thankful that she can, um, join me with these things and just kind of share some of her insight because, we see so many cool things and, and we see so many uh, results that it's hard to share so much information, especially through Instagram and Facebook and uh, podcasts. So yeah. uh, we hope to catch you guys on the next episode. And uh, if you have any questions or any comments, you can send them through our Instagram DM. And um, if you have any suggestions for next topics, we can definitely do that. 